So I'm working on my class, the one I'm teaching at Ollie, on this very topic, uh, survival beyond the bug out bag. And up in the email pops a letter from somebody in Southeast Ohio. And by golly, we're both thinking in the same direction. Come on in, sit down, we'll talk about this. Hi everybody, I'm Bill Bateman, part of the team here at Refuse to be a Victim Personal Protection Training, and I'm hoping to have an opportunity to see you one day for a class, maybe do some recreational shooting, or what the heck, just to say hi. We are talking about the bug out bag. We're talking about National Preparedness Month. It is noon on October the 1st, so we made it through September, although just barely. Whew. Wow. Well, I got a letter from a gent in, uh, like I said, Southeast Ohio. His name is Todd. And before I continue, I want you to know I reached out to Todd and got his permission to give his name and general location, because that's what family does. Friends and family, you ask first. So thank you, Todd. I appreciate the thumbs up. Talks about being new to the podcasts, listened to about 20 episodes so far, and had some suggestions and some insights, and I wanted to share them because they're definitely worth sharing. Got into prepping after reading a, a book, One Second After, by William Fortune. Fortune? I want to make sure I'm saying that correctly. And it really motivated him. And they're prepping and they're worrying about what's going to happen back there. They're getting information. And he did the same thing I did. I got the bug a long time ago, but I tried to go from zero to 100 in trying to get ready. And I got the prepper bug, and I'm taking it at a much more moderate pace because you can't go 100 miles an hour for long. You run out of gas. So, good suggestion. Take things slow, deliberately. Make it a measured project. He had a suggestion of some books to read, one of which was the Foxfire series. Now, these are books about Appalachian uh, philosophy of simple living and hunting, baking, learning the art of successful moonshining. I mean, there are all kinds of books now, and it's definitely a snicker at these at your own peril, folks. I'm sorry. I have uh, seen some of these. I'd forgotten about them. Definitely, you might want to check those out. And what else have we got? Uh, talks about how he and his neighbors and family are working together. They're in a small town. He has a small amount of property. And this is something I have said repeatedly. Thank you, Todd, for bringing it up. Uh, he's on a quarter of an acre. And he's got some uh, rabbits. He's got some chickens. Uh, he's got family and neighbors working together. And he's reached out, and I've talked about this a lot, of working with someone else who has more acreage as a place you can go indefinitely. So these are all good things and I'm glad to see that these thoughts are common. These are things that we're all kind of sharing together. And this is what is important about prepping. It is a step at a time. It is an ongoing process. And I'm going to share some plans this week. I always talk about having a plan and I'm preparing this for my class next week on campus and saying okay we're going to start planning. I want to share with you 
the links I'm going to be sharing with them. And there are several different uh, types of plans. One is just a basic template. It's a checklist. It pops up and it says, okay, what is my name? Uh, what medications do I need to have? Who do I contact in an emergency? Who should be contacted in the event of? Just the basic information and you fill it in. There are also checklists for the home. You click it and you see this thing. It says, well, you should have A, B, C, D. And you could have, if you have the extra money, X, Y, and Z. And then there is the full survival kit list. I put these in with my tongue firmly in my cheek because whenever anybody's selling you something, the, pro the cost gets way up real high. And I've been on that soapbox for about two years. You need to kind of uh, stop and think about, are you going to need rib spreaders in your first aid kit? If you're a trained physician, by golly, you are. If you're me, no, I'm sorry. I have no idea how to use a rib spreader. So uh, the best survival kit I ever built was the one, of course, that I have. But I did it with a yellow pad and pencils. I will say the best way I found is go to those different templates and checklists and things you'll find at these many sites. Pick out what works best for you and write it down on a yellow pad. I have legal size yellow pad and pens and pencils and I'll say, well, this is good. This is good. No, for my family, because there's just my wife and I, there's only the two of us. So yeah, let's, let's look at the best of the list and make up your own. And this is not a one and done. This is something you are going to look at, hopefully, every time the time changes. Twice a year, you're going to sit down and say, well, we're heading into cold weather. What should we have? Now, there's a philosophy, and it is from a site called The Prepared. And it's called the 80-20 rule. And I think this is really, really useful, especially if you're trying to go from 0 to 100 uh, in 60 seconds. Good luck with that. We talk about the 80-20 rule, or the Pareto principle. And that's from the site, The Prepared, and how that should guide your prepping. The initial 20% of what this guide has, of all the possible things you could do in prepping, is going to get you 80% of the way. 20% of the hard work is going to get you 80% of the way. Now to go from the 80 to 100, that's a lot more work and a lot more money. Now that applies to prepping. Prepare for 80% of the likely scenarios. Don't include zombies arriving on radioactive alien asteroids in downtown Michigan. Forget about that. Deal with reality. Deal with your neighborhood. Deal with the people you're going to be working with and the things that are available in your neighborhood. Make a regular time. Let the muse find you. I'm a writer and they have a thing called letting the muse find you. So every day, I work around midday, so every day at 11 o'clock I'm here at my word processor and the ideas start coming to me. That's basic psychology because you're making yourself available to focus on a topic at a specific time every day. Prepping is finding out what you don't know. 
If you're a regular listener here, you can cross off an awful lot of things you hadn't thought about. That's my job. I'm a curator. I go to a number of different sites and I, I try and collect things to bring here and present to you to get you thinking about stuff. So when we're looking at planning, ongoing, measured, as part of the team, you and your wife, or if there are children involved, and I don't care if they're 25, 15, or 10, get the kids involved. They're going to know what to expect. They're going to know how you're going to act. You need to know how they're going to act. Another thing we want to talk about is getting engaged. The four levels of engagement. Um, I worked with a gentleman at the university, and he taught me this philosophy, and I cannot thank him enough. We as human beings engage or get involved at four different levels. And think of it as going to the ocean or the lake. When you're new, you're going to splash. You just go to the shore. You splash around a little bit. As you get more experienced, you may wade in. A little more experience, you're going to start swimming. And eventually, you know you're going to do it. You're going to start taking that deep dive. You're going to get, is that a shiny rock? Is what, ha what is that sparkling down there? You're going to dive in and explore. And that's what we do in prepping. We have four levels of engagement. And as you gain experience, you can and you will increase the depth of your exploration. So let's consider that when we make our plan. Look at the things I'm sharing. I'll share those links as I do in the front area front page of the blog and find out what works for you. Work with your family, put this thing together and keep going on a regular basis, secure in the knowledge you're never going to be done, secure in the knowledge something is going to go wrong no matter how carefully you plan because that's the nature of the world. Another thing that uh, Todd mentioned, and I have mentioned this before, but since we're kind of shaking the tree to see what comes out, is our pets. Pets and our animals. Now, I've got a guinea pig, okay? <laughs> I used to have dogs, I used to have cats, I used to have all kinds of animals. I can't where I live. So we've got a guinea pig, and we feed him carrots and spinach for fun. It stinks getting old. <laughs> Just kidding. We like our pets. You like your pets. What happens if? Now, if you've got a dog or a cat, I'm hoping you've already made preparations. I'm including a link for pet care. This is really important because as you're looking at uh, backpacks, you should look for a pack for your pet. They can carry their own things if you got a bug out especially with the dog. They can carry a little extra food, uh, double wrap so they're not sniffing it all day, uh, some foot pads if they're going to have to get out in the woods and they're not used to it, some ointments, some creams, some things that you're going to need. Cats, <laughs> people, you're on your own. I'm sorry. Uh, cats basically let you live with them. <laughs> so leave a bag of food and some water and hope for the best. If you have to evacuate and you've got a dog or a cat or in my case a guinea pig, that's fairly simple. If you got big animals, if you got chickens, if you've got uh, goats, if you've got something like livestock, horses, uh, and it's fascinating because I tease my sister a lot, but she is into horses. She's been into horses since she was 14. 
and she's forgotten more than I'll ever know about horses, how to care for them, how to lead them. I know one end bites, the other end kicks. They're fun to ride, and you got to take care of them. She knows all this good stuff, and in an emergency, I'm betting she would know what to do to safely deal with your animals. Now, in a fire, in a major earthquake, uh, when you can't control how an animal's going to act, how you're going to act, it's going to be hard, but you need to think about it. You need to know, well, what am I going to have to have? Where could I take them? Where might they likely run off to? We know here when we've had our fires that uh, the animal shelters were overrun with just dogs and cats and there were some livestock because we'd have livestock in our area. So if you know about, if you have animals, you know how to deal with them. Include the animals and the pets in the prepping. Stop and think about that. And finally, when we talk about planning, put some thought in on your yellow pad or your computer, whatever you're doing. Who am I planning for? Who will it be? and who else might be here. Do include some real tools. We get all these Leatherman tools and all these multi-tools. Have a real crowbar and a real hammer and a good, a good set of wrenches, things like that. Where do you stand emotionally relating to the process? Some people are frozen. I had a person talking to me in class. They said, this scares the socks off me. Don't be scared. Fear freezes you. Some people feel overloaded, they get frozen, they get angry, they get intimidated. And other people, now that you know what you need, now that you know what you don't know, and now that you know how to get resources, now you can develop this, I can do this. And if you do one thing a day, it's like any other habit or any other situation you're trying to correct, baby steps. Look at the basics, what do you need? Remember the rule of threes. And what can you afford? Do not, and I've said this before, uh, drain the 401k to do this kind of stuff. You're going to have to look at things at home first, ideally, then at work, and then the Alamo, those, those friends you have that have the acreage. So planning, planning, planning very important. I'm going to uh, share these links. I'm going to hope you will have an opportunity to look them over and pick what works for you. And the bottom line is the only way you can get this wrong is not to do it. Because a goal without a plan is just a wish. That's what's going on this week. Let's start remind you that we do have our classes on a regular basis and we did get the non-ballistic self-defense solidified the way we like it. It's on the website. This class is designed to help you learn to use your body mechanics, situational awareness, and your assailant or your attacker's momentum against them. It's not designed to turn you into a black belt in 25 words or less. It is designed to make the most of the tools at hand. It was originally part of our women's self-defense class. We got a lot of folks said, hey, you should kind of break this off so everybody can come. And it is. It is available uh, now as a standalone class. It is designed for a pair of persons, two people. It's a two-person class. You can come individually, but it's best if you got a partner. The idea being you can practice what you learn so those skills get put in place. So 
Non-Ballistic Self-Defense is available. Uh, we have our class in October and again in November for Concealed Carry. The Concealed Carry Mastery class is available to you. And we are working to get the active shooter classes back. Uh, there's a lot of work involved in that, but there is strong interest and they are coming soon. So, Todd, thank you for your letter. Uh, we'll have the links up on the front. The rest of you, of course, are welcome to send an email to. I may not put you on the air like we did, but uh, I like to know if I'm landing in the right spot with this and the kind of things that you're thinking about. I'm going to look forward to seeing you next week. We will be waiting out there at the range. Hope to see you in class. If not, be good to each other and God bless. The preceding was a presentation of Retired Guy Productions.